Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by Caroline McGurney. Caroline, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Rian. Delighted to be chatting to you. Chuff to have you. For those listening, Caroline is the owner and MD of the HR Suite. Caroline, typical fashion of this show, focus more on the person than the business. We're going to go back to chapter one and work our way from there. So first question is, you grew up in Kerry. Have you got any favorite or standout memories of your childhood in Kerry? Um, I suppose I was lucky enough to live in Valley Hike, so it's next to the beach. So for me, a lot of our childhood was spent at the beach uh, when the weather seemed to be finer back then. Um, so for me, I suppose we had a small farm. We were all busy kids that we all got jobs to do. So, you know, you had to collect the cows, milk the cows, pick the spuds, you know, do all those kind of jobs. So I suppose for me, my dad was very much about you kind of earn your pocket money. Um, I loved reading. So for me, there was a secondhand bookshop in Tralee and I used to save the money to buy the books, return the books to buy more books. Um, you know, so um, they're probably the ones that kind of stand out most. Our grandparents would have lived um, very much as part of our lives as well. And for me, I suppose they had brilliant sayings. And it's only now, years later, when we work, I work in HR and I work so much with people that a lot of those are probably constantly things that I use now, um, you know, and I'd be kind of reiterating what they said. So it's amazing how it gets into the brain and it's, it sits in there um, and you can dip in and out of it uh, later on. So they're probably the standout ones really from childhood really. Kerry is a beautiful place for anyone who's not been to Kerry. This audience is an international audience. If they were to end up there for a day, I know you've said they've beautiful beaches down there. What one thing do you think they'd regret if they didn't see? Oh God, Kerry is known as the kingdom. And I suppose for me, any little pocket of it is stunningly beautiful. But I suppose for me, the, the North Kerry coast where I'm from, Valley Hike, it's just breathtaking next stop America, you know, um, and like I think as well, we're all so busy now rushing that if I was there for a day, I would do one thing and soak it in rather than trying to do the ring of Kerry in a day. And you're kind of going, oh, my God, that was amazing. But you haven't soaked in the amazingness. Um, mm. So I think slowing down, I think soaking stuff in more um, and maybe doing, you know, like there's a gorgeous uh, drive around Kerry Head near Ballyhike where I'm from. There's a gorgeous golf course, you know, both Trilly and Ballybunion are shouldering Ballyhike Beach. So there's, yeah, it's it's spectacular. And I think a dip in the ocean with that salt water is also a gorgeous thing to do and a gorgeous walk to the Black Rock to drive up, dry off afterwards. So those kind of things I think would be fabulous. But then we've Dingle, we've Killarney. Do you know, there's loads more as well. So ideally, Rian, I'd encourage them to come for at least a week or two. Living the dream down in Kerry. Living the dream. Um, living the dream. Living the dream. The, your your grandparents, you touched on them, um, and you said you grew up on, on a farm. Who do you think inspired you most or had the biggest impact on a young Caroline when growing up? Um, I think my parents worked really hard. 
like worked really hard, you know, in terms of education was very important to them and ensuring that we all got as good an education as possible. Um, and they would have instilled that very early in us. I mean, we went on a bus to school, they dropped us just to the bus, you know, um, they had to get up early to do that. They had to work hard to earn the money to be able to do that. Um, and I think that was one big influence in terms of the working hard piece. And also, I suppose, um, the fact that they, my mom used to say, sure, you can be the president of Ireland. You know, that concept of sure, you can be anything once you dream it, mm. once you work hard, you can be it. And I mentioned my grandparents, but my grandfather, like he would have um, been very inspirational in terms of, he had a fabulous personality. He really got on fabulous with people. People loved him and he saluted everybody on the road. So he'd collect us from school in a tractor and like he'd be saluting everybody and you'd say, Granda, who's that? And he'd go, I don't know, but they could know me. So like that concept of, you know, what is emotional intelligence now and all the theories of Dan Pink and all that outline, you know, that innate ability to build connections and have empathy, etc. He had it when, you know, we were kids growing up and we didn't, you know, we, we just learned that that was the way you treat people. And I think that's been really great in my career and just in life in general to have had that kind of an upbringing, I suppose. Well, shout out to your parents and grandparents. It looked like they did a great job at raising you. Um, a couple of things I know about you before we get into business. You've been to Web Summit in Portugal. Uh, you're an Ireland rugby fan. You're a Kerry GAA fan. Uh, if we go to Crow Park, we wear the same colours, but we don't support the same team. Um, <laughs> and you've met Michael D. Higgins in Oris on Uteron. So yes. what's one thing you're into or curious about that not a lot of people know about you? Um, I suppose suppose I, I play golf badly. Um, I love the outdoors. I absolutely love the outdoors. And even though I live in Valley Hike, um, I, when I was like, I'd say about 10, I was swimming in the sea and got into difficulty, etc., messing. And uh, it, as an adult, I went back to learn to swim again. And for me, being able to swim is something I now love, but it's something I'm probably most proud of. It took so long for me to overcome the fear of not being able to get into the water etc it was just like i mean the amount of lessons i went to to try and overcome it and then at eureka eventually six lessons sets of lessons not six lessons six sets of lessons later um, so i think overcoming that fear of your mind you know um and the this learning to swim again is probably my biggest achievement and it's probably the thing I'm most proud of. And it's something I'd say if people knew you were from Valley High, thinking you to learn to swim again as an adult, they'd be going, what? <laughs> yeah, no. So um, I think I think there are probably two things that people maybe don't necessarily know that I'm quite proud of. Well, respect you for learning to swim again. That's pretty cool. And you get to enjoy the beautiful beaches of Valley High. You've mentioned Valley High three times now, and that's where I want to start. Um, you said you started working in the White Sands Hotel, uh, washing glasses and making sandwiches. And that's where you first got your real love for people, or at least it's what you said on a previous podcast. You said, after your leaving cert, you wanted to become a primary school teacher. Um, I'm kind of curious because if you look at your LinkedIn, it's all HO related. What led you from, uh, I don't know what summer it was, but the summer of completing your leaving cert to from primary school to HR? Okay, so... 
uh, I suppose I was really young starting school. I started school on my fourth birthday. So uh, I did my Leaving Cert really young as a consequence. And um, that summer, like I was going to be a teacher, that was, you know, I got my Leaving Cert results, didn't really know what I wanted to do, had worked, as you said, in the White Sands and loved customers, loved people, loved the buzz. I mean, there's nothing like the buzz in hospitality and tourism and the busyness and all that good stuff of it. Um, but I took a year out basically and did a secretarial course. And that year that I took out when I did the secretarial course, I ended up getting uh, a job in Kerry Group after doing the secretarial course. And it happened to be in the HR department, which was then known as the personnel department, showing my age. And um, the personnel department was this mad, busy, fabulous environment where I just happened to get landed. And um, they were in the middle of graduate recruitment. I was managing CVs, et cetera, et cetera. I absolutely loved it. The busier, the better. I just absolutely loved it. Um, ringing people up, organizing interviews, you know, like it was such a different environment. Whereas now we've technology to help with so many things. Back then it was paper CVs. Um, I spent the summer there. I was going back to college that September to do business studies in UL. And Dennis Cregan, this uh, fabulous guy in Kerry Group, um, basically um, said, oh, right, OK, you know, is there any option to do it by night? Um, and I was like, yeah, there actually is, etc. And Kerry Group paid for me to do my college by night. So I didn't take the typical route of going to college. And I fell into HR, went to college by night, doing my business studies and HR up to my master's level and stayed working in Kerry Group for all that time. So and progressed, I suppose, both, you know, my career, but also my academic kind of, I suppose, to complement that. So I feel really lucky. I missed out probably in all the crack one has in college. Um, but I suppose for me, it was a huge opportunity. Like the experience I got in Kerry Group was phenomenal. I remember early on, like I'd say it was in year maybe two kind of of my time with them, um, I was responsible for going around to all the colleges to promote Kerry as the place that you should get your graduate, you should join as a graduate after. I hadn't even done year one of my degree. I was in year one of my degree at that stage. So like I was talking in school two, I remember in UCC, I remember going to Queen's University, UL. Like I was in these amazingly huge halls with a couple of hundred people standing on the stage telling them why they should join Kerry Group. Yes, I hadn't even got the... the degree myself you know but like you don't see the fear at that stage or you don't even think about it it was just oh my god how cool is this to get the opportunity to do it um and that's probably what's kind of stood to me feel the fear and do it anyway well no one can question your hard work maybe it came from being raised on a farm and working those early mornings as well but you certainly work hard um I can see in your LinkedIn, you've, you've touched on Kerry Group. You also worked for the Garvey Group. Um, what led you leave, to leave the corporate world to start your own business? And did you take any lessons from your time at the likes of Kerry Group and Garvey Group? Oh, massive, massive. I feel that both those companies set me up to facilitate me to run my own business and grow my own business. I suppose I always believed that I would never be a one-man show because I'm really, I love HR, I love everything about HR, but I'm not great at sales, I'm not great at marketing, I'm not great at IT, I'm not great at finance. 
and I knew I needed to build a business that would be able to afford those experts in their areas so I could focus on growing the business and strategically focused at growing the business because I love that side of business growth but also focus on the day job so um, huge lessons I mean in both Kerry and in Garvey's it was very much around growth it was very much around systems to support business growth it was very much about employing amazing people it was very much about having the bigger picture view so huge lessons and huge opportunities um, to facilitate me to, to go on that self-employment journey that I'm now on. Now owner and MD of the HR suite what's a what's a commonly held belief about your role that you passionately disagree with? Um, good question. Um, I suppose, you know, a lot of people think I work crazy hours and I'm really passionate about trying to have a good work-life balance. Um, for me, being self-employed is very much about enjoying the journey as well as working hard. And even with my team, I'm really passionate about them all having a really good work-life balance facilitate as much flexibility as we can but also try and ensure that the hours they work are very much normal hours and I try and do the same with myself whereas I'd say a lot of people would say geez Caroline works crazy hours you know but I don't but I work hard when I'm working. Nice um, you wrote a book on asking questions um, the topic of asking questions is one of my favorite there's a couple of exercises some people might call me a frequent my friends where I have this game where I say, I'm going to ask you a question and you can only respond to me with asking me a question. And the first person to, to lose has to buy someone a pint or whatever. It's kind of this deciding who buys the first round. But I, I love the topic of asking questions. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious why that specific topic. I know you've written another book as well for, for children, uh, more focused on mental health, but why the, why the topic of asking questions? I suppose I'm working in HR now 25 years and for me a lot of the time if we pressed pause and asked a great question we can untangle so much and I just think the power of questions and listening I don't think you can do questions without the listening um, I think it's just it's powerful like um, Albert Einstein said you know if I had an hour to solve a problem I'd spend 55 minutes trying to work out what is the problem and a lot of the time, you know, we spend all our time, you know, wanting to tell people what we know or, you know, build on what we know or whatever the case, or presume what we know or, you know, psychic management doesn't work is one of the things I say all the time, ask the question rather than presume. Um, and I just think the power of questions, like I just, I have three nieces and a nephew, two nieces and a nephew, and like they're just the questions they ask are just so innocent and so powerful and so amazing. And I think for me in the job I do, whether it's mediation, whether it's recruitment, whether it's chatting to my friends, whether it's, you know, any element, I just think the power of asking questions and listening is powerful because if you're in a conversation and you do all the talking, you leave and you know nothing new. Whereas if you ask amazing questions and make space and time to listen, I think in very busy lives and very busy worlds now, we just don't have time for anything. And I just think the slowing down and the listening and the ability to listen um, is really important. Uh, and I just think talking is a fantastic um, thing that's kind of nearly gone out of fashion. You know, it's all WhatsApps now and it's messages and it's this, that and the other. And I just think 
press pause and sometimes just the power of engagement, the power of asking amazing questions, the power of listening. Like you asked me, um, you know, where, tell me a bit about where you're from or, you know, like what a powerful question. There's so much to that question alone, you know, um, and I think those kind of things build relationships. Um, so I think questions are powerful and I could, I could write many more books on questions alone. I'm just so passionate about it. You're based in Kerry, and over the last few weeks, I've had the pleasure of chatting to business owners from the counties like Louth, Waterford, Limerick, Cork. I could add another four or five, but my question is, do you think remote work will continue to improve and potentially see the rebirth of rural towns slash villages? So I suppose pre-pandemic, you know, before coronavirus ever came, for me, I suppose, um, I'm passionate about our head office being in Kerry. We also have an office in Dublin and I live in Dublin and our clients are scattered right throughout the country. So when I was recruiting the best talent, to me, I didn't mind where the talent was. So we have people based remotely in all over the country in Nina, you know, in Limerick, you know, all over the place in terms of this, that was their normal working pre-coronavirus. Subsequently since, I suppose, we now have a more blended approach. So it's kind of um, a blend of some remote working, some in the office. For me, I suppose, I think that um, the hubs around the place are going to be, you know, definitely getting more support. I think for a lot of people, the work-life balance, they've relocated to Clare or Kerry or Wicklow or wherever, and they want to stay there and be able to do the work-life balance. I also think though it's important that there's a blend I think it's really important that you equally have some time with your colleagues in the office, because I think more natural conversation happens, more natural, um, you know, collaboration happens. Also, I think it's important that the informal chats happen more easily than for somebody to schedule a Zoom coffee break even. It's not the same, you know. So I think for me, the blend is the best place for where we want to get to, and for me as a business, that's where, you know, we want to be as well. You know, we have some people who work fully remotely and always have, and they come to the head office every so often. But I think in the ideal world, if you have a blend, I think it's the best of both worlds. And I think the hubs around the country are going to provide a really good team ethos for people who are solely working remotely. Over the last few years, I've had the pleasure of being in a lot of the big tech company offices, HubSpot, Salesforce, LinkedIn, um, and what I notice is they all have things to attract uh, young people. I don't know whether pool tables or table tennis tables make any difference, but the question is, what do you think or what do you see young people looking for in companies nowadays that companies can use to attract them? Uh, I suppose I think the beer fridge, the pool table, etc. I think people have no interest in those. Mm. I think that they're, um, they're more a kind of a token you know, element of fun. And I think that's brilliant if it materializes in reality. But if it's the case that you have the pool table and you have the beer fridge and the bean bags, but you're working every hour God sends and you've no work-life balance and, you know, you've no kind of balance in your life, to me, then that's no good. I see for young people, mm -hmm. flexibility is number one. People want to be able to go surfing. They want to go away for the weekend. They want to, you know, do the work and they want to be able to do it to suit their lives. 
and that's young people and as people evolve then when they've got other things they need to juggle in life flexibility is still number one so for me I'm beginning to see flexibility now and work-life balance is the number one thing for all you know employees and even though we've lots of legislation with a new code of practice around the right to disconnect and you know we've all these other things going on ultimately for me it's the it's the ethos and culture of the organization that wants to support develop help you learn and help you bring on bring you on a journey of development and support but to do it in a challenging but positive way but to ensure you got you the flexibility to make work life really kind of work well for you Mm. you personally what continues to drive you i suppose i love learning uh i love learning and i love learning more i'm doing a chartered director's um diploma at the minute and it's completely pushing me outside my comfort zone because it's got a big fat module on finance um but um i'm loving the networking i'm loving the modules i'm loving the fact it's testing and challenging me um, I suppose in my job, I'm constantly being challenged and tested and, you know, um, whether that's in my role as an investigator, whether that's in my role as a presenter, whether that's in my role, you know, uh, whatever I'm doing, it's feel the fear and do it anyway, you know, and I, I try my best to kind of lead a really amazing team in an ethos of, you know, we're there to support, but I want to develop them as well. You know, so for example, I have a, an amazing uh, girl who's a graduate. She joined us after her co-op placement and finishing her college. And like, I'm like, you're well able now to, to start be, doing an investigation. And by coaching and supporting, it's giving them the confidence. And I get such satisfaction seeing people develop and, you know, achieve more than they thought they could. And that sense of satisfaction. And I suppose I, I do the same myself. If you Google your name, the most recent articles that come up over the last 18 months, you have provided endless support uh, for people when the virus first hit of what to do, like endless support. Um, so interesting side question is, when airports open again, what's the first country you're going to travel to? I will probably end up going to Marbella or Portugal because their trips I had pre-booked with friends that we never got to go. Um, but the place I'd love to go most is Boston. My brother lives over there. Um, he's married uh, to Caitlin. Sean and Caitlin live over there. And I would just love, love, love to see them, miss them hugely. Haven't seen them in way too long. Um, so that would be my first holiday that I will book. Uh, and that would be the first place that I'd love to go. Nice. Well, Boston's a great place, and, and, I, and I hope you get out there soon. Um, as, as mentioned, lots of people have come up with challenges over the last 18 to 24 months, specifically focusing on you and your business. Are there any challenges that you've come up against that you didn't, let's say, account or expect for, and how did you tackle it? I suppose, um, for me, a standout day is um, the day before Paddy's day last year when... Um, the, you know, the government had made their announcement, we were going into lockdown, um, Fault Ireland had contacted me and wanted me to record some videos for their um, customers and clients in relation to what to do, in relation to communicating with staff, in relation to putting people on layoff, in relation to closing their businesses. And I remember driving into Fault Ireland on Patrick's Day 
going, oh my God, this is really serious. And as a business, I really knew that we needed to strategically kind of look at the blue ocean of, okay, where are we now? And what do we need to do to survive? And I suppose like we pivoted a lot into the world of training and that has been our saving grace um, because there's been a huge need to upskill managers to manage remote workers. You know, there's been loads of, of new and change and for an awful lot of people managers, they're brilliant at the day job. They're a brilliant accountant, brilliant engineer, brilliant, um, you know, IT person. And then all of a sudden, as they get promoted, they get the gift of managing people. And mm -hmm. no one has ever given them any training. And for me, it's so important to train people managers. And hence, the art of asking the right questions is very much a toolkit for managers to help them navigate that whole employment journey. So I suppose for me, pivoting and really reassessing how are we going to help our clients that are closed? How are we going to attract new business? You know, how are we going to do all of that? And manage a team who overnight we became, some of the people became remote. So it's been a year of challenge, no question, but it's been a year of opportunity as well. Um, and I think um, it's been a great learning journey for us as a business and as a team. Two final questions for you, Caroline. Question number one is, um, I want you to pretend all the all your loved ones are safe. Uh, I don't know who you live with, any animals, partner, kids, they're all safe. Uh, but your house is burning down and you can only save one item. What one item would that be? Um, funny, Rena, I suppose. There's nothing materially that important for me, to be honest. Um, you know, there's nothing, you know, people are the most important thing in my life. And there's nothing that I would be kind of saying, oh, God, I need to bring that with me. Nothing like, um, you know, photos and can all be reprinted, you know, and life is memories in your head rather than material things, I feel. And I'm all about enjoy the journey. You know, my grandfather, just to give you one of his fabulous sayings was um, you need three bones to enjoy the journey of life. You need a wishbone to dream the dream. You need a backbone to work hard and make it happen. And you need a funny bone to enjoy the lighter side of life. And nice. I'm sure heard that from someone else, but he used to say that a lot. And, you know, I think for me, it's kind of like, it's so true because you got to have the dreams, you got to work hard, but you got to enjoy the journey. And like, mm. so there'd be nothing, Rian, I'd love to pick something for you, but there'd be nothing really, you know, I suppose my phone, if I had to pick something, you know, just because it's got all the kind, I know nobody's number off the top of my head anymore. Um, so it's got all the contact numbers and stuff like that, but like you'd get those again, you know? So I think people most important and phone if I had to bring something. I like that answer. Final question. I'd like you to imagine it's the year 2030. So right now we're in the year 2030 and you're looking back on the previous decade. Uh, what would you like? You can answer this personally or professionally, but what would you like to be looking back on? Um, I suppose I'd like to look back on the fact that all my family and friends are healthy and happy. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to look back on the fact that I did enjoy the journey. So that work-life balance that's so important to me, I got to make sure that that, you know, occurred because I definitely don't want, I love work and I love the job I do and I feel very privileged to do it and work with so many fabulous people, both my colleagues and my clients, but I would really hope to enjoy the journey. So spending time reading books, spending time traveling, spending time at the beach, spending time getting better playing golf, spending time with family and friends. For me, the most important thing is 
to have no regrets about the spending of my time. That's probably the number one thing that I'd like to look back on. Solid answer. We'll leave it there. Caroline from the HR Suite, thank you very much for being my guest today. I've had a pleasure in getting to know a little bit more about you over the last 30, 35 minutes, and I wish you all the best in the future. Thanks, Reen. It's been a pleasure. Beautiful morning. Beautiful morning.